Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with athletic performance dietitian at the GWS Giants and Cronulla Sharks, Jess Spendlove. This episode of the Pace Performance Podcast is sponsored by Val Performance, the team behind the Nordboard hamstring testing system. So the Nordboard is the fastest and easiest, most accurate way to measure hamstring strength. So with the Nordboard, you'll get the right information to make the right decisions at the right time. If you want to check them out, you can check them out at valdeperformance.com. This episode of the Pace Performance Podcast is sponsored by Train With Push, creators of the Push Band. So the push band is the first scientifically validated uh, wearable device to provide objective insights into your performance in the gym. So using accelerometers and a gyroscope, the push band is able to use bar speed to regulate load and volume based on your ability in the gym on any given day. So you can use the push band to quickly establish uh, 1RMs with submaximal loads so you can plan with confidence. So the pushband portal also allows you to create programs before entering the gym uh, to make change on the fly depending on how you are performing on that given day. So you can customize everything from target velocity ranges to differentiating velocities for warm up and creating working sets and supersets uh, for yourself or your athletes. So if you do want to know more about Train With Push and the pushband, get yourself over to trainwithpush.com. They also got a great blog, so you can catch up with some guest bloggers such as Mladen Ivanovic and Dan Baker. So be sure to check them out at trainwithpush.com. Thanks for tuning in to episode 92 of the Pacey Performance Podcast. So today we've got the athletic performance dietitian at the GD West Giants and the Cronulla Sharks, uh, Jess Spendlove. So, massive thanks to David Joyce for making the introduction uh, between myself and Jess. It was great to get Jess on from a a completely different point of view. We've never really had a nutritionist or a dietitian on before, so it was great to get um, get that part of the jigsaw nailed, really. Um, And it's something I'll be looking to get on in the future because I think it's such a big part. And I think it's, like we've discussed in the episode, it's something that often falls on the plate of S&C coaches or sports scientists, especially in kind of lower lower level, um, even sub-elite athletes or situations. So hopefully you get something from this um, and and take that forward into your your own organisation. So we discuss everything from um, educating players and just on that, Jess has kindly provided uh, some slides from a presentation that she gives uh, draftees at the Giants every year. So if you go to paceyperformance.co.uk forward slash 92, there's a little link about halfway down. You can click that and get the presentation uh, which, which Jess gives. So we also discuss uh, the, what she terms the basics. Uh, we discuss um, t- hints and tips for breakfasts and uh, nutrition post heavy gym and heavy field sessions uh, for the AFL in it, that she prescribes for guys in the AFL. So just before I let you get into the chat with Jess, just want to make everyone aware again of the of Dan Baker's uh, tour with in cooperation with Train With Push. 
So the dates so far that are coming up are North Eastern University on July 15th, Northwestern University on July 17th, and Texas A&M on July 23rd. If you are interested, get over to trainwithpush.com and all the information will be on there. So I hope you enjoyed the chat with Jess and I will speak to you soon. Okay, thanks for tuning in to the Pace Performance Podcast. So today we've got Jess Spendlove, who is the Athletic Performance Dietitian at the GWS Giants and the Sharks. So welcome to the podcast, Jess. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to have you. So obviously I'd I'd spoke to to David Joyce uh, a little bit a little bit ago about getting you on um so it's great great to get you on and feel um another another slot in the um in the giants backroom staff uh, on the podcast (laughs) so uh anyone that doesn't know who you are and and the kind of role that you have at the giants just want to give us a little bit background in into you really yeah sure no worries so um I'm an accredited sports dietitian and uh, ISAC level two anthropometrist. Um, as you mentioned, my title at the Giants is athletic performance dietitian, and uh, I also work with the Cronulla Sharks rugby league club. So, been a dietitian for about six years now, and uh, initially started working in a more clinical role in the hospital setting. So, working in both inpatient and and outpatient clinics and like that was really great. I learned a lot, but for me, always wanted to uh, work in sports nutrition. And during that time, I was just quite proactive in seeking out any any opportunity that was related to sports nutrition, and was able to establish some some good networks and and connections, and and found a mentor in in someone who's very respected in in the field of sports nutrition and Helen O'Connor, which was just absolutely invaluable. And, um, yeah, during my time working in the hospital, I also started doing a little bit of private practice work um, in a sports medicine clinic. And um, soon after that, was was fortunate enough to get my first opportunity working with the, with the Cronulla Sharks, which is hard to believe was four seasons ago. So I've been with them for four seasons and I'm currently in my third season with the with the giant, so, so yeah. So, so how do you split your time, Jess, between the two? Uh, so I'm three days a week with the Giants, and I also travel with them in season. And then I'm one day a week with the with the Sharks, um, and I also dabble in a little bit of private practice in in my spare time. So yeah, that's how I split my my week. Is there uh, is there a a kind of big network of uh, sports dietitians in the in rugby league and in um, in the AFL over there. Yeah, in um, in both codes actually, it's uh, I mean the AFL. There's there's basically every team has a sports dietitian, um, which has actually been advocated for by the AFL, which is really great to see okay, that. Okay. Yeah. They they see that there is a need for that that position and role there, and um, in rugby league, I think about ten of the the 16 or so teams have a, a sports dietitian, so it's also definitely growing and, yeah, everyone's quite open and, and happy to share information, and um, which is really nice. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So you just want to give us a little bit of a, a kind of an overview of what a sports dietitian in a, in a professional sport is? Um, obviously, we were t- talking before about the kind of different terminology. We'd have a kind of nutritionist here, which 
which may be slightly different over there depending on qualifications. You just want to give us a little bit of an overview of what your kind of day-to-day, week-to-week work may, may entail? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess if I had to break it down into categories, there's probably three main categories I guess I, I, I work across. So first obviously being anything to do with nutrition, what the players are eating, what the players are drinking, their hydration. Um, the second would probably be their, their body composition, so monitoring that and, and applying um, what we're, what information we're getting from that to how we manipulate their diet as such. And then the third category would definitely be a role in, in the supplements and what's actually being approved to be used and how it's being used. So I guess the, the day-to-day in terms of the, the nutrition and the hydration is, um, I mean, some of it's quite quite basic in the, the ordering of the snacks and the food that's available at the club for, for the players to have in and around training Um communicating with with the chef um, who works out of the facility in terms of what can be provided on the days that meals are being provided. Um, obviously, the, the provision of, of meals and, and supplements and things while we, we travel, so anything from writing the menus, coordinating the lunch packs, coordinating the post-match meals. Um, as I mentioned before, my role does involve a game day role, so similar to what I've just mentioned, ensuring, you know, anything to do with food, the supplements, the, the fluid at the, at the ground, so before, during and, and after the game. Um, obviously then educating the players on, on what they should be eating and drinking and when and, and really not just talking about, about nutrients but, but talking about foods and then also more importantly showing them how to actually uh, apply that knowledge. So we do some cooking classes, um, with the draftees or any of the, the players identified as maybe lacking in some of those skills, um, shopping tours if needed. So I'm, I really do believe, you know, it's not just about knowing what to do. It's more important for them to actually know then how to how to do it. So just really showing them that through the foods that, that we have at the club and, and when we travel. Um, with the body composition, so I predominantly just uh, do skin folds. We do use DEXA scans for certain players, so long-term injured athletes or um, players that we just need a little bit more more detail on in terms of, of muscle and fat composition and if we think there's any kind of asymmetries going on. But traditionally, I mainly do skin folds, which is pre-season monthly, and then once we're in season and things are a little bit more stable bi-monthly. Um, and then the third category, which I mentioned, is, is definitely having quite an active role these days in the in the supplements program. So, I mean, it's not just myself; it's kind of myself and the the chief medical officer, which which make the decisions around what what supplements are, are being approved to be used. Um, but I guess it's myself who's actually doing the research and and suggesting what we're going to use, how we're going to use it, um, making sure that we're not wasting money on supplements. So. You know, if we've got a budget. I need to stick to that, but I also want to make sure that I'm I'm optimizing that and, and not using anything just for just for the sake of it. So, um, and then also, I guess the day to day at the at the Giants because I am there uh, three days a week. I'm um, mainly involved in the actual delivery of that program. So putting the 
the vitamin and the mineral supplements out, uh, coordinating with, uh, we've got fast track program interns who are, who are fantastic and they have quite a role in, in the preparation and delivery of, of the supplements as well based on what I've essentially prescribed for each player. So yeah, we, we actually put the individual supplements out and, and make the, the individual protein shakes and things for the players for after their field and, and wake sessions. So I guess that's the uh, that's the day to day and the role of, of what I do. Um, oh, yeah. that's cool. That's cool. So when it when it comes to educating educating the players, um, I don't know if you do work with the kind of younger age groups, but would would there be would there be a different type of education, or how would you how you would deliver that information for for younger players compared to the the kind of seasoned pro? Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely like to start with. With the basics and, and and not assume. So even the seasoned pro, some, what I've kind of learned across the last few years is that they might even be getting some of the basics wrong. But definitely with the younger athletes, you want to relate to them and make it as interactive as possible. And in terms of presentations, um, I'll generally use a, a slide, but I might have more pictures rather than words, or it might be more of a practical workshop. So actually having again like I was kind of saying before, like showing them what I want them to eat. So having examples of um, meals and the different compositions of, you know, the pasta or the rice or the carbohydrate to the to the protein portion and, and what day, what kind of composition is, is most appropriate. And again, with the snacks, showing them what a, pr- a pre-training snack should look like and actually having a physical example of that there and, and same with the recovery. So, yeah, with the younger athletes, I definitely find – the more interactive it can be and uh, and the more actual examples rather than, again, just talking about nutrients and big words and things that they're not really going to possibly understand. Mm-hmm. So, mm. so when it comes to the basics, which you mentioned a couple of times there, what, what do you mean by that? I mean, what's, what's basic for maybe you yeah. and I may, may not be as basic for the, for the guys that you're working with. Um, so you just want to give us a little bit of a kind of background on maybe that and kind of philosophy around that? Yeah, definitely. So for me, um, looking at the day-to-day and, and supporting an athlete's nutritional needs to maximise that that training adaptation and, and that performance. So I guess there's a few key areas I like to focus on and it, it depends what time of the day somebody's training, but that, that pre-training meal, so for some Athletes, that might be breakfast. Um, for other athletes, it might be that afternoon snack, but making sure that they're, they're turning up to training and, and they've had an adequate breakfast or pre-training snack, which has some some carbohydrates, has a little bit of protein, that they're hydrated. Um, I guess the second basic for me would also be that, that recovery meal or snack. So, um, you know, making sure that they're, they're getting that, that hit of protein in um, – you know, in that first 20 to 30 minutes following training. And again, that doesn't necessarily have to come in the form of a, a protein shake. They might be going home to have dinner, so that might that might suffice, but making sure that they are actually going home to have dinner and if not, then they're looking at some, some appropriate recovery snacks or supplements which are going to meet those requirements. Um, and then I guess the, the third basic is just trying to get that structure across the day. So, um, spreading those meals out and, and getting the, the five to six meals rather than just kind of a, a cluster of food all at one time of the day and and not um, yeah matching matching their needs and, and requirements. 
So, so what kind of impact can that have compared to the um, kind of five or six meals that are spread out? How can that impact performance if they were to, um, or they are to um, just have kind of the staple three? Yeah. Um, in terms of body composition, I often find that the, the players who might struggle with their body composition, so depending if they're trying to gain muscle mass or, or lose body fat, I'll often find they're the, the players that aren't getting that, that spread, um, just they're not optimizing that muscle protein synthesis and, and utilization of um, certain nutrients. I mean, the other downside is that they just might not actually be meeting enough of their, their requirements in terms of vitamins and minerals if they're only having three main meals and then they're not getting suitable snacks in and, and might be missing out on certain food groups. So, um, yeah, it, it'll generally come in the form of either a, a body composition um, issue possibly or in the form of, I guess, that that adaptation to the training that they're getting because they're just not actually getting enough of like I said, whether it's a, a macro or a micronutrient. Mm-hmm. So it was one thing that in my experience was a, uh, always something that it was kind of a battle against was breakfast. Mm-hmm. For lads, especially the, the younger age groups that I used to work with, obviously used to turn up early, had to get there before the, the first team and things like that. And always breakfast was always an issue in actually getting them to eat something. I don't, yeah. know, if that's, I don't know if that's an issue for, for you guys, but how do you yeah. kind of remedy that and maybe yeah. make something suitable that is – that fits in with the kind of the, the structure of the day. Yeah, definitely find this is this is an issue. So get a lot of even I mean the younger players who are just coming through the system and, and are used to going to school and then training afterwards and, and aren't in the habit of having a good breakfast. Then coming into a, a professional sporting situation where they're training and they have to be at the club at seven a.m. It's definitely not something that that comes naturally. So for me, I like to take the approach of uh, something better than nothing and develop that habit of, of just taking something on board. So for me, I like to encourage them to obviously have something before or while they're on their way to the club. So even if that's in the form of a banana or maybe some sort of meal replacement drink like a, a sustigen or an up-and-go, again, not saying that these are the ideal breakfast to have, but it's developing that that habit of having something and and like I said, something's better than uh, nothing. And then when they arrive at the club, I like to talk to them about having a, a top-up snack. So I guess at the Giants, we're fortunate enough to be able to provide some fruits and cereals and, and bread and that kind of thing so they can top up with, with what's available at the club. But I guess if, if people don't have that access, just encouraging their players to, to bring something then to eat when they're at training. So kind of splitting that meal and enabling them to get a little bit more in without necessarily having to do it all in in one hit. And, um, and yeah, once that habit's there, then really trying to optimise that. So some of the slides I've, I've provided with you actually kind of give some examples on, on what I would suggest as the ideal kind of breakfast and then what I would suggest as some good options for uh, the quick kind of on-the-go breakfast. And if it's got some, some carbohydrates some protein and some fluid in there in some form, um, that's, that's a pretty good start. And then, yeah, let optimize that over time. So you mentioned a couple of times uh, about things not being ideal. How, how much compromise with food does it have to, does it have to be with, with players, especially the, the kind of older, maybe like I say before the season pro who's, who's been doing 
something and it's kind of worked what they perceive has worked for them for the last 20 years how much compromise is there from your side of things to to trickle in what you actually want them to have and do yeah look that's a that's a tough one when you get someone who's turned up at the club and they're 10 12 14 year player who has very successful career and they've got some some questionable um ideas around around their nutrition and what works for them I mean for me it's just establishing a rapport with them and and understanding what they're doing and I mean I'm not necessarily trying to to change what they do because what they've done has worked for them but if it's something that's uh not necessarily what I'm trying to educate and advocate for the rest of the playing group I'll I'll kind of mention that to them and, and ask them to not necessarily promote that um but then also just, I guess, like I said, have the, have the conversation, educate them once that rapport's there. And um, interestingly, I've had I have had some of those 10, 12, 14 year players come through the club with some some certain ideas on what they can and can't have. And I've never drunk Gatorade during a game, or I've never had a gel. And and over time, just getting them to practice some of those some of those preferable practices in the training environment has actually led to them taking some of those things on board during the game. So it's a tough one. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just, just from my kind of personal interest and, and kind of not working directly in, in profession in professional club, it, it does, does the, the kind of the, the fad diets still kind of filter the way into the players and you're still battling against the kind of things they may read in what we have over like over here in the, the tabloid newspaper, like the Daily Mail, um, do, do they still get kind of them, them messages that you're battling against? Definitely. Um, I think if you talk to any sports dietitian or nutritionist, it's it's definitely an ongoing battle. And I mean, it shows that the, the athletes have an interest in in what they're reading and, and what's out there. And it, it's good for them to, to come and question, um, I guess, what they should be doing and how they can optimise because it shows they want to improve themselves. But for me, um, I, I mean, I don't take the approach that I, I put everybody on the same diet or the same meal plan or anything like that. I, I did mention before I, I do believe in frameworks and systems and, you know, things like the, the distribution across the day and the, the five or six meals and the hit of protein with each meal. Um, but then for me, it's it's working with that athlete, listening to what, what they're saying, what they think works for them, and then making suggestions around that. So, um, look, you know, high fat, high carb, low fat, low carb, that's all very much in the in the media and, and in the scientific literature, and it's really up for debate at the moment. But for me... And I guess what I could suggest for other people who are having these conversations with their athletes, it's just really think back to, you know, we're all scientifically, we're all scientifically trained. We all have an understanding of, of basic biochem and, and energy metabolism. So even if we take it back to that point and, and educate our athletes, you know, in a basic understanding of that and actually teaching them what their body needs for that certain type of exercise, um, so, for example, in AFL, it's a very fast-paced, high-intensity, intermittent sport. So, if we look at the the energy system that they're using when they're when they're doing their conditioning and they're developing that, it's carbohydrates the the main fuel source. So, for me, it's not about putting my my players on a high carbohydrate diet all day every day. But if I can ensure that they're getting that availability when they need it, so. Um, 
getting a, a good hit of carbohydrate before they're going to have a conditioning session and then and then recovering from that and then maybe on a on a low day or a rest day then then really pulling back and and reducing that that carbohydrate intake i find they get that and they respond to that um you know their energy levels in training are great when they're eating more carbohydrates for those appropriate sessions and then on their rest day they really understand that okay well i'm i'm not running around i'm not running 12 kilometers in a training session i obviously don't need that so really pulling back so for me it's just again educating the players as best i can um and i mean to have those conversations you need to need to be present to have them and you need to be um you need to have that rapport there and also talk to them in a language that that they're going to understand and and not get too into the nitty-gritty unless they really want to get into the nitty-gritty so um so yeah would you mind giving us a bit maybe an example of of um uh, kind of a post kind of heavy pitch session meal that you may you may prescribe to to a certain player yeah, sure. So, uh, so when I'm working with the the chef at the club in the preseason, so post main training day sessions, we're fortunate enough to be able to provide some some meals, um, and that might come in the form of um, like a, a, a chicken stir fry with with some brown rice, some some lean chicken breast, and and some vegetables. So a composition might be kind of a third of each, or if you were to really break that down, it would look probably like a 200-gram um, piece of chicken, a cup and a half to two cups of brown rice and then two cups or so of, of vegetables. Um, some other popular meals with the players are, are still pastas and things, although they're, they're, it's quite interesting to see how that's evolved and how it kind of changes between the, the younger players and the older players. Um, other dishes might be chicken burrito style meals but again that kind of the tortilla with the chicken breast and and quite a bit of salad and and, um, vegetables on there to kind of get that third third and third ratio that I mentioned um yeah they're just some some examples so so it's when it obviously you've got you guys have got a lot of traveling over there uh, yeah, big, the, big distances and on um, flights and things. Mm. How that's obviously a big challenge for you, um, getting things sorted in kind of hotels and things like that. How do you how do you go about dealing with that that um, that kind of challenge that you, that you have over there? Yeah, look, that's definitely been a, a work in progress, and, and uh, logistically, it, it's I've learned a lot over the last couple of years that I've travelled with the team. Uh, I think we we travel 16, 16 games or so this year. So um, for me, it's again getting organised ahead of time, making contact. So for example, with the hotels, uh, making contact well ahead of time, sending through nutritional requirements and, and menus and and Sometimes I send recipes to make sure that the, I guess the standard is, all the quality is standardised across our stays. So um, for me, yeah, being organised, sending that information off um, well ahead of time so then the hotel can then send that back. I can check it, make sure um, everyone's on the same page in terms of the catering for when we actually travel. So we provide lunch packs for our players. So I have a few different different caterers who will provide um, a variety of kind of sandwiches or wraps or salad boxes with bread on the side that kind of thing so again it's just well ahead of time sitting down with them 
I guess, specifying nutritionally what we need and then looking at, at the examples that they've got and um, then also talking with the playing group and, and explaining to them what's on offer and, and getting them to actually send through their their preferred requirements. And then once all that's kind of sorted, it's really just a, a matter of, of sending the, the order off every, every so many weeks and, um, yeah, coordinating that at the airport or at the hotel. So... So, so how much how much input you mentioned it there and it, there seems to be quite a lot of input from the players is that is that a kind of across the board um that amount of input that the players get to what they eat and what they don't eat yeah look i i definitely like to involve them and and ask them what they would like and obviously it's within reason i'll often provide a short list of of selections that are nutritionally appropriate and then um get their feedback so one thing for me in particular, so I initially started doing this with the post-match meal because a lot of the players at the Giants were struggling to to eat after the game um, and we were providing things like pasta dishes and risottos and stir-fries and things and after talking with them, they were, they were just across the board, they're like, we've eaten so much pasta before the game or <laughs> we just don't, we don't feel like that really starchy, carby, heavy kind of dish. We want to eat more finger food style and we want something that's a bit more enticing. So um, that's when we went to more things like the burritos and the tacos and even some healthy, healthy-ish pizza options. So A, the, the smell's there, B, the taste is there, and, and they've told me that's something that they're more likely to eat. So that's where that kind of came from. And then, and then I guess that's just expanded across the board in terms of the menu while we're away and then also, also the travel pack. So they definitely get get input um but at the end of the day I, I i need to make decisions around what's nutritionally appropriate for them as well so mm. uh yeah it's a good balance i think <laughs> yeah absolutely so do you, do you just want to talk to us uh, a little bit about um protein and maybe when you're um when you're placing that in the day uh for maybe for different types of days obviously like a high running day a high gym day uh, yep. You just want to talk to a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, kind of mentioned before, obviously, I, I definitely think it's a really important important nutrient and um, most people are getting enough. Um, that's what the, the research and the, and the literature and everything tells us, but it's, it's more around the, the spread and the distribution across the day. So, um, you know, they the research has found that there's kind of this threshold or ceiling effect with around that 20 grams or so of, of protein. So to ingest more than that at a meal or snack really just um, in, any, in anyone, whether you're male, female, athlete, non-athlete, seems to just then be oxidized and, and used as a fuel source. So from that, um, there's been, uh, I guess, in the applied setting, it, it makes sense to then try and get that better distribution across the day. So try and hit that 20 grams or so at, at breakfast, at snacks, at lunch and dinner. And again, the the research that I've read tends to tends to kind of be people are, and it makes sense, people are getting the, the majority of their protein at, at lunch and dinner and, and probably not getting enough at breakfast and at their snacks. So for me, I really try and encourage the players to, to get that spread and you know, when I talk about protein, I, I clarify with with the players that it's not just about having chicken and eggs and, and <laughs> steak, five or six meals. Rocky style. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't have to be that hardcore, guys. Um, 
using some other, some, you know, dairy is a, a great uh, source of protein. It's the only other food group which is a complete protein source and they're generally more open to having maybe some Greek yogurt or some cheese or some milk um, at breakfast or across the day to, to get that better kind of distribution. Um, so I guess in terms of amounts, um, I don't really encourage them to vary it all that much, whether it's a, a training or a non-training day. Pre-season, I'll encourage them to have a little bit more, so maybe up around that, that kind of 30 grams just because their increased needs, so their overall energy intake is higher and they're also in the gym a lot more and, and their tonnage and, and reps and all that kind of thing is obviously a lot higher. So it might be increased a little bit in pre-season, but um, I guess from what the – what the uh, literature has told us is that, that that distribution should sit around that 20 grams and it should be pretty consistent across the day. So I guess that's what I, I kind of aim for. And like I said before, I meet the, um, the differences in energy demands more by periodizing the amount of carbohydrate or fat an athlete might, might ingest. And that's, again, based on their training or what their body composition goals are or their age, their needs, that kind of thing. Um, nice very interesting so just coming on to something that's been mentioned a couple of times the dreaded s word the supplements <laughs> do you just want to talk to us a little bit about firstly how you use supplements and obviously mitigating the risk risk of um anything bad happening to the to the players yeah definitely so like it's it's a very interesting area and i think the the environment's obviously Change, um, changed quite a bit over the last few years. So um, in Australia, there was a bit of a scandal with one of the uh, the AFL and, and rugby league teams around this area and it's really forced the the environment to change. And for the better, really, it's really just raised awareness around that that risk of, of doping and, and players being aware of what they're actually what they're actually taking on. So um, if I talk about the, the AFL, for example, they've been quite proactive and They've advocated and developed a code-wide policy which then each club needs to um, uphold. And, and I spoke a little bit before about um, my role and the, the chief medical officer's role in, in upholding that. Um, there's a lot of documentation, a lot of research that needs to go into to meeting those requirements and justifying what's being used and how it's being used. Um, and then on top of that, my role then is to obviously do – a nutritional assessment with each of the player and, and and then justify what's being used. I mean, for me, and I'm sure if you spoke to any sports dietitian or nutritionist, we're always going to say we've got a food first policy and um, that's 100% the case with with myself and what I advocate at the, at the Giants and at the Sharks. But there is definitely a, a role for supplements, whether it's convenience, so having that, that protein shake after weights before they're going into – gymnastics or Pilates or D-Pit or whatever it might be or um, whether it's one of the tendon boys who needs a therapeutic dose of fish oil. So there definitely is a place for it, um, but it, it's just taking that that kind of focus off supplements, supplements, supplements and, and justifying it in its appropriate context of, of an athlete's diet. So 
um, the AFL have also really been proactive in, and they've got a database where every player uh, needs to essentially log what supplements they're taking. So, I mean, the, the groundwork is, is really done behind the scenes. It's all kind of preloaded into there for them. Um, they need to go through each week and essentially tick what they have or haven't used and then if they've, they've taken anything external to, to what's been um, provided at the club, they're, they're meant to log that as well. So, Again, that's just to kind of really make them aware of what they're taking and not just, you know, take something because someone's telling them to. Um, it's also basically a way of advocating for the um, the, AI, the AIS supplements classification system to, to be used and, and really only looking at using A and B category supplements, so, so supplements that are proven to work or, or have some pretty promising evidence out there and, and not getting caught up in terms of whether it's financial reasons or, or using supplements that just aren't proven to work, which are your category C and obviously definitely staying away from your Ds, which are your, your prohibited. So, um, yeah, I guess that's the, that's the supplements environment in Australia and, I mean, I'm sure it's the same worldwide and, um, you know, if clubs have the capacity to use batch-tested supplements which are informed sport or um, approved or some other kind of third-party testing, um, that's obviously going to, to be the best-case scenario so they can ensure that what's being provided isn't, isn't contaminated or anything. So the AFL doesn't have, a, like, a preferred supplier or anything like that? Uh, not, not across the okay. code. Okay. Different clubs have partnerships or sponsorships with um, certain certain manufacturers, but no, there's not kind of one provided to the whole okay. code. Yeah. So, so would you say that the the kind of a supplementation fits in in your kind of structure best immediately post a heavy session, whether that be a gym session or a, a field session, or is there is there is it is there other little bits dotted around here and there? I know that's a kind of blanket statement, but um, is, you know, going, trying to give a blanket statement, like kind of um, like pre, uh, pre-session, pre before bed, is there anything in there that's kind of, that you're doing that's, that's interesting, apart from the kind of post, just post-session? Yeah, look, we've, um, I guess part of what I've been able to, to do over the last few years at, at, at the Giants and the Sharks is kind of establish like a, a holistic, you know, nutrition program, which definitely has a, a supplements role and, and has a daily supplements role. So again, I'll talk mainly about the Giants because I'm actually uh, the one rolling that out each day. But um, the players will come in, and we've essentially got a we've got a supplements room which is uh, connected to a corridor, and, and there's a shutter and whatnot. And I've got a on the bench. I've got a little chart with all their numbers. So. Each day they'll essentially come in and, and what's been prescribed to them. Um, so there are some, some team-wide supplements and then there are also some individual supplements, um, certain ergogenic aids, things like beta-alanine or beetroot juice or um, creatine, et cetera, which not everybody's on. It's, a, it's definitely an individual um, prescription, but then it's also the players that are committed to taking it. So I definitely don't believe in putting everybody on something just for the sake of it and, and making them take it on a training day. If it's something like beta alanine or, or nitrates, which need to be taken every day, the players need to be taking it um, every day. But yeah, essentially there's some some supplements when they first come in in the morning and then before main training session, more so pre-season, there might be some, some caffeine in some form of a, a pre-workout or 
uh, no-dose tablets or something like that, that that's kind of available. And then during the session, more like your sports food, so sports drinks or gels, um, post-training. Obviously, we've covered different kinds of shakes um, made on, on different bases depending on what their requirements are, so whether it's water or milk or even coconut water. Um, and then... Yeah, that, and then other just electrolyte replacement style drinks. Um, but, yeah, so a, a bit of a spread in, in the form of proteins and ergogenic aids and, and vitamin and mineral supplements and, and whatnot just, uh, yeah, across the okay. day. So, so one thing that you brought up there, which was um, beetroot juice, so that's something that's mm-hmm. made its way into obviously supermarkets and things now, which seems to be getting a bit of uh, – getting quite a bit of publicity. You just want to just very mm-hmm. – one last – very last point, why do you guys, what, what's the benefit of, of taking beetroot juice? So we've only got a few uh, players that are using the beetroot shots based on, well, a few things, taste and cost. Um, but, yeah, the main reason for for using it is that it's uh, essentially a, a vasodilator. So um, consuming it in the elite athlete population every day um that's what i encourage and then maybe a double dose game day is um provides that nitric oxide um which essentially is a vasodilator so allowing more oxygen essentially to to get to that working muscle um yeah it's something only a few of few of the players are on but uh those that are on it really really believe in it and and like to use it but again yeah it's something they need to take every day and then a double dose game day. Okay, excellent. So just just yeah. before we uh, I let you go, where, where can people keep up to date with um, what you've got going on? Yeah, so bit of a bit of a newbie to Twitter, but I, I am on it or trying to be more active. Um, so definitely uh, in the Twitter sphere at uh, I'm at Jess underscore Spenlove, or more than happy for people to uh, to email me directly. So the best email address to get me on would be jessica.spenlove at gwsgiants.com.au. Perfect. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for uh, giving it me time on a, on a Wednesday evening. So um, Not a problem. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep in touch and uh, thanks again. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having Speak me. Speak soon. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to episode 92 of the Pace of Performance podcast. I hope you enjoyed the chat with Jess. Just before I let you go, a massive thanks to both Val Performance, makers of the Nordboard, and Train With Push, the guys behind the push band. Don't forget to get over to pacingperformance.co.uk forward slash 92. Click on the link and you'll get access to Jess's presentation that she gives to draftees. Uh, in the AFL every year. So you can get that for free and take and uh, check that out. So thanks again for tuning in and I will speak to you with some great guests coming up in episode 93.